Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Connecting Conversations on this fine Tuesday evening here in Bundaberg. It's lovely to have you watching with us. Nice to be able to connect with you. And that's what these conversations are all about. It's an opportunity to connect with one another and to be part of uh, something bigger as we uh, miss the normal fellowship we have. But we have this opportunity to interact and to chat about the Sunday sermon and to ask questions. And so please use the comment section, write uh, where you're watching from, let us know that you're there. And throughout the course of the conversation, as we dialogue uh, with Reverend Ray Nutley, we will um, try and take in as many comments as we can. And especially if there are questions, we'll look to answer them as best as we can do. Tonight, my guest is uh, the Reverend uh, Ray Nutley, uh, good friend and colleague. He is my predecessor at Bundaberg United Church, and it's always a privilege to be involved uh, in ministry in some way with Ray. And uh, it was wonderful that uh, he could take the Sunday service, and as always, it was a blessing to have him there. Good evening, Ray. Good. I can get you up there. Are you there? There we are. Uh, no, you, second. you're right. Um, there we are. There we are. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ray. Evening, evening, Stuart. Evening, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry about that. A uh, little bit of a, a teething issue. I'm so used to having you behind the camera that I forgot <laughs> how to get you, how to get you in front of it. Um, Ray, it's lovely to have you have you as part of connecting conversations this evening, and uh, thank you for taking the service on Sunday. I know the, the phrase is that um, old ministers don't uh, retire; they just stop getting paid. And uh, <laughs> so thanks for what, uh, what you did there. But maybe maybe you could tell us just a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you, uh, maybe a short bit about your family and, and, and your ministry journey. Okay. Um, I was born at a very young age. Uh, grew up at, at Manly in Brisbane in a, one of these very fortunate people who was brought up in a Christian home. Um, Mum and Dad were very involved in the church, in Sunday school and youth groups, um, and Dad was also a lay preacher. He used to take lots of services. Went to school at Manly, then Wynnum High. After school, I uh, worked in the bank for five years. It was the ESNA Bank in those days, which merged in 1970 with the ANZ to form the ANZ Banking Group. Um, and the bank said to me, where do you want to go? And I said, oh, I've never been north. So I said, between Mackay and Cairns. So they sent me to Coolangatta, um, right. which worked out well before I met Helen. And um, four years, just over four years later, we were married. So we've been married 48 years now. Uh, from there, I went into went to Clermont as what we call in those days home missionary, lay pastor. was there for two years, back to college for three then to Mount Isa, where I was ordained. Um, I was actually the first person ordained into the Uniting Church in Queensland. And at Mount Isa, um, Philip arrived, and then we went to Innisfail, and we, Robert and Sarah both arrived there. Then to Weeper, then I did a stint five years full-time army in Sydney and Canberra, back to Queensland, to Beanley, to Noosa, and finally to Bundaberg. So that's a... Uh, Quick rundown. A brief uh, uh, whip around. We have the, th we have the three children. Philip's in Brisbane. He's married to Samantha. 
with two two daughters and um in in using your words from from the service a few years back robert lives in heaven um yeah. it just got too much for poor rob and sarah works on a farm at harrisville just outside of ipswich great thank you ray thanks for that uh that brief history and, and, and insight into your family and uh, and that quick whip around uh, Queensland uh, and a bit of Australia. Um, and I'm sure that there's, uh, there's many people who've, who you've touched all along uh, the way. Friends, for those of you who don't know, Ray's actually been part of the recording team uh, of our live stream services. So if you've ever listened to this, uh, our services on a podcast, it's because of the recording that uh, that Ray's done on a Sunday. Ray, just uh, before we get into the service, how was the experience of um, stepping out from behind the camera to being in front of it? Well, when the service was about to start, I was thinking about when I went to Clermont in 73, and if you wanted to make a phone call, you went over the phone, rang the, the handle, picked up the hand, hand piece, and the telephone exchange said, number please, and they put you through. Um, and now I'm then I was all of a sudden standing in front of a, a phone with um, video and sound going to whoever who tuned in on it was so so totally different from when I began back in '73. Uh, it was interesting um, to have the uh, just the, the phone in front of me. Well, it wasn't quite just the phone in front of me. Somebody was standing at the computer right in front of me, um, just behind the behind the phone <laughs> and uh, so yeah I suppose I should ask you what it was like for me to be preaching at you or to you you were the only one one there Chris was right up the back <laughs> yeah it was difficult not to feel that the sermon definitely applied to you <laughs> <laughs> Ray you mentioned a little bit of uh, you know having grown up in a Christian home and and Sunday you preached a lot about the work of the spirit can you maybe just uh, briefly share us share with us something of how how God's spirit led you into into faith and into ministry? I was very fortunate. I said I brought up in a Christian home, involved in the church. Um, our Sunday school every year used to have what was called a commitment Sunday, and I was very young, probably about nine or so, when I made a commitment. And then at a junior youth camp, I was I was eleven when I probably made the first commitment. Um, when I was 15, I was sitting in, in high school, and it depends on which year you come from, year, year 11, sub-senior or form five, that covers all the classifications we've had. And it was during a chemistry lesson, and I'd finished eating my lunch, because you always ate your lunch in school, because lunchtime was for sports training and athletics training, and you never right. had time to eat your lunch. And I was thinking about uh, what I wanted to do when I finished year 12, and I was thinking about maybe a solicitor. And um, as clearly as you hear me now, I heard God say to me, I want you to be a minister. So I went home and told mum and dad, and uh, then I I planned, I planned going to ministry. Um, hmm. I didn't want to go from straight from high school into ministry. I wanted to do something else. I thought about doing some things, but um, I was hurt playing football in my final year at school. And so... Really, the doctor told me I couldn't do um, study or athletics for a couple of years, so I joined the bank, did all the bank studies, did all my local preacher studies <laughs> and um, candidated. There's a few hiccups along the way with candidating, but, uh, yeah, after Clermont I got to college and spent three years there and 
um, 13 years after my call, I was ordained in Mount Isa. Oh, wonderful. And, and uh, retired in, after ministry from how many years, Ray? When I retired? Yeah. Uh, you... I, I, reti I retired at uh, the end of July 16. So that's about 43 and a bit years of working full-time. Wow. That's fantastic. No, you still work full-time, you just don't get paid, <laughs> like I said. And I've still got all my hair on most of it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's great. Ray, um, just uh, in, moving into the sermon, and uh, friends, thank you. I see the comments coming in there. That's great. Please, please keep them coming, and we'll try to, uh, to get to those comments. But uh, Ray, you preached from John chapter 14, and this Thursday coming up is Ascension Day, and uh, that always leads us into into Pentecost. And uh, and the sermon you titled the the promise of the Spirit. You spoke about Jesus reassuring his disciples about what happens when he leaves them, and uh, he reassured them reassures them with these words of of love. If you love me, Jesus uh, says to his disciples. And you link that back to my sermon the previous week and the reinstatement of Peter, where, where Jesus is saying, do you love me? Um, you also mentioned the Beatles song, which I had stuck in my head the whole day. All you need is, <laughs> all you need is love. But love, for, love, this concept of love for God seems so, so crucial to Jesus in these, in these moments. What in our modern day context do you think uh, shows that kind of love and dedication to God? For me, it goes back to one of the. For me, it goes back to one of the um, Bible readings that mean a lot, has meant a lot to me. Jesus says to his disciples, "Who do people say that I am?" And they respond, "John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets." And Jesus said, "Yeah, okay, fair enough. But you, who do you say that I am?" And of course, Peter blurts out, "You know, you Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." And for me, that's always been the question, who do I say Jesus is by my actions, by my lifestyle, by what I say, you know, whether I'm in a pulpit, whether I'm doing pastoral care, whether I'm playing touch football or refereeing touch football, uh, when I'm driving, riding my motorbike, driving the car, or things go wrong, who do I say Jesus? And I think we show our love by our, if you like, our consistency in um, showing a Christ-like like attitude. You know, what difference does, in a way, what difference does Christ make in my life? How am I different to other people? And we've, and as a Christian, we should be different. Um, doesn't mean to say we're perfect, and everybody who knows me knows that I'm far from perfect. They can tell you all, all my faults, and there are lots of them. But who do I really say Jesus is in the way in which I live? And I think for me that's, that's how I show, well, I believe, um, I show God's love by saying who I believe he is, um, by being consistent and and sharing just in, in every, every everyday life and just talking about him like he's a great guy. You know, I've, yeah. I've had, I've had um, you know, playing football, as you've come to know, and some of the others uh, know I um, have a strange sense of humour. And playing touch football one time in a big competition, I scored this try and the guy dived at me and, and missed and he's lying on the ground and says, oh, Jesus Christ. And I look at him and says, no, but only his servant, but thank you anyway. 
guy looked at me and all the rest of my team burst into laughter. I explained to him later. But I think there's just small opportunities of, of saying to people um, what Christ means to us. Oh, that's, that's awesome, Ray, yeah. And uh, I think uh, maybe that's a little bit of what happened when uh, when people identified the disciple, well, identified Christ followers as Christians um, really by how they lived and, and what actions they took. Um, you you mentioned in a um, sorry I just wanted to go back. There's a, a comment on your on uh, when we were speaking about calling, where Denise said, "I wonder how we might nurture a call um, that our young people might become aware of this in this day." And I know Ray, when we when we we speak about calling, there's um, you know I, I would I would love to see more and more young people being called uh, called into ministry. Um, do you think that there's uh, there's so much distraction um, or so so much else in the cards that that uh, calling into ministry is is more difficult to hear these days? I think the church makes it difficult in 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 a sense in the fact that we don't challenge our young people. We often don't challenge them. I think sometimes we're more concerned. Um, almost with entertainment, you know, are we singing the right songs for them, are we doing this right thing, are we doing that, rather than calling them, and I think they're much more astute, you know, I thought I was so old and mature at, you know, at 20, 21, um, and, but kids today are far more mature than we ever were at, that, at their age. I think we don't challenge them enough. I don't think we give them a challenge and say, hey, have you really thought about what it means, first of all, to be a Christian, to follow Christ, and what's the best way, what's ways in which you can follow Christ and and give them opportunities? The church I grew up in, um, our Sunday school and our Christian endeavour had opportunities during the year to take part in services. Mm. Um, and I suppose that's where I sort of first started. You know, I took my very first service when I was 17, not quite 18. And I'll never forget. Two things I'll never forget about that service. Before I took the service, my dad said to me, always remember the Holy Spirit and what he's done in your life. And one time when I preached, he said, you didn't mention the Holy Spirit much today, son. But the other one was the Sunday school used to form the choir and then after they'd sung, they'd go and sit down in the congregation. And he passed this note up to me. He said, you're doing fine, son, but try and stand still. Um, and I've never learned to stand still. I haven't learned to let go of the pulpit. I was holding on the pulpit moving around, but... Um, but I think we just need to to challenge them and, and give them opportunities and, and talk about talk about ministry. Um, there's all sorts of forms of ministry, but if you're talking about ordained ministry, deacon, um, minister of the word, I, I think that we need to challenge them and say, you know, and let them know the benefits of it. There's lots of challenges for it, but I think, yeah, let them know that, hey, this is, this is as valid calling as you know, everything else. Yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, a very valid uh, a challenge and an opportunity for, well, particularly the opportunity and and uh, and equip and give confidence to them as they as they do that. Ray, you mentioned um, that Jesus' statement, "If you love me, you'll keep my commands," is not a conditional statement, but a uh, reassurance that love and relationship means that the disciples will do the right thing even without uh, his physical presence. Loving God and doing the right thing when his physical presence is there, I think must have been one thing. 
um, we've, we've never had that physical presence. So how do you keep that love for God without that physical presence there? Um, for me, it's having a deep sense that God's always there with me, that God is there with me. And I think we do that through prayer, through Bible reading, by um, giving thanks in our conversations, um, talking, you know, when people say, how does, you know, how come you can cope with this or whatever else you can say? Well, you know, because I have a faith and a belief in God. Um, I also tend to talk to God. Um, sometimes when I'm riding my motorbike, and it's not just prayer, Lord, help me. Um, but when I'm riding the motorbike, there's a sense of freedom, and I can I take in the countryside a lot more than even when I'm driving, actually. It's, right. it's, and just admiring the beauty of his handiwork in creation and, and acknowledging God's presence wherever you are and wherever you're going, you know, giving thanks that, that, that he's there. Um, and for me, I suppose just talking um, and prayer is conversation with God, reading the scriptures, but just talking and being able to share, uh, to to show to people that, that yeah, God's there. And, and I think that's your love. It's, you know, it's like your love for your family. You talk about your family at times, even when you know, they're not there or whatever. So you, you practice almost a, a God consciousness? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I, I finished off the service the other day by saying, you know, the best of all is God is with us. But I've always had a a sense that yeah that God is there and we you know and we can just talk it should be a normal everyday being your Christian life should not be something special you do it's something right. that that you are you you be and it should just be a normal normal part of life and willingness to share thanks for mentioning that quote Ray you just have uh, killed the conclusion of my interview that I had planned but <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to think of a new one on the fly. Um, Ray, uh, thanks for that. You, you mentioned that um, that Jesus says the disciples can be comforted because although he's going to be physically gone, the spirit will continue the relationship. And I really love the way you you connected it. So um, you, you pointed out that for Jesus, he and the spirit are so close that these are just interchangeable. I thought that was really uh, beautiful. And, um, well, I wondered if you could maybe share with us a story from your own life, um, a moment or an experience from your, uh, from your journey where, where God's spirit felt for you like the very presence of Jesus there. I think one of the most dramatic ones, yeah, I've always been aware then, and there's, and some people might find this hard. Basically, I'm a very, I'm an introvert, and I find it really hard to get there to meet new people and to to be out there. And I can only do it through God's Holy Spirit who empowers me. It's the only way I can do it. Before I do any service, I'm always really nervous. Once I start, yeah, because yeah, you know, I've got to rely on on the, the power of God's Spirit. But I think for me, one of the times, most significant times, was we're at Innisfail. And the late Reverend Jack Fruin Lord had come up and run a, a mission up, up at, at Innisfail. And um, at the end of it, we were praying for people for the empowering of God's spirit and that. And that. And I said to Jack, and I've been praying with you, and I said to Jack, God, I want, and with that, I just burst into tears. Helen had never seen me, had, had never seen me cry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just 
burst into tears and and I just had that real sense that that Jesus was right there with me and and that sense was um, continued that that real that feeling and that real presence and that uh, awe lasted for days you know the next day I'm out playing squash I couldn't care about belting the ball I was too busy singing songs in my in my voice <laughs> um, you know but there and then there's been a couple of times in um, church services and one particular time uh, when I was with somebody with some pastoral care I just had that real sense that, that yeah Jesus is there and and this time with the pastoral care the things that the person was saying the things that my response is I'm sitting almost sitting back saying where did that come from you know how did I know that and it was a really strange sort of feeling but I just knew that the real presence of, of Jesus was there with us in you know in a real close intimate way um yeah you know, he's always there but this was just sort of different yeah oh thank you that's that's incredible um you mentioned that the spirit brings us in an inner peace even if there's an external turmoil uh sometimes those positions of pastoral care you know you go in with an external you go in with a sense of turmoil and you you find the the presence of of jesus and brings you peace like you've just said but um we're in we're in a state of turmoil now in the world um with COVID 19. what do you what do you think that peace looks like for us in this moment well i'd say the world might be in turmoil but we're not in turmoil um for me somebody once said you know talking about about god being the still point in a madly spinning world and right. i know I know that God's always there. He's He's in control of, of everything, and I just have to trust Him. What, one of the passages that meant a lot to me in, in ministry very early in the piece was in Paul's letters where he said, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, give thanks whatever happens, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the will of God in Christ Jesus isn't the crisis or whatever it is that you're in. The will of God is to rejoice, to pray, and give thanks. And... In my ministry, in, in life, we faced many trials, many testings, many difficulties, um, and it's been put to the test many times. But I find that when I take time out, mm. uh, I says, be still, know there's God, and take time out and say, God, I just thank you that you are here. You are in the midst. You are in control. Um, and I know that things will, will work out. And when I rely on him, and, and and say that then yeah then I do have that peace I do have that 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 inner peace and that that relaxation and and if you like a, a joy not not an emotional thing but just a joy and knowing that yeah God's there God's in control I think the psalmist writes you know even when I walk through the valley of shadows you're there I have nothing to be afraid and so yeah. before the world might be in turmoil we don't have to be because God's still there and if, God's there leading, guiding, sustaining us, enabling us, empowering us uh, to be yeah. his people. Wonderful. Ray, I like the way you spoke about the, um, you used the words, an intricate interweaving of the Trinity or uh, the cosmic dance being like a single unit. And, and we get invited into that. Now, I know the Trinity's 
more complicated than the six minutes or so that we've got left. But but um, it's not something we ever really get to understand. The way you spoke about the mystery, how do we stop trying to understand as such and and enjoy or, or live the mystery? When I was 18, I was doing my local preacher's exam. And one of the questions on the theology paper was, how do you explain the Trinity to somebody younger than yourself? So I wrote on the paper, people younger than myself aren't interested in the Trinity. But then I then went on to, to explain what I would say. In the, and uh, Cyril Alcorn's comment was sad but true. But then I went on to explain. Um, I don't see that we've got to explain it. You know, we've got to learn to live. There's all sorts of mysteries. The very fact that I'm sitting at my computer talking to you and lots of people listening in and making comments, I don't right. understand that. I just accept it. I don't have to understand it. You know, there's lots of analogies that people like to use. You know, we've got a high court in Australia. There's three sections to it. Each one is the high court in its own right. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things. But I think that we can, you know, another mystery, another mystery, a 17-year-old girl for some reason loves a red-headed, freckled-faced, skinny, shy guy who wants to become a minister and says to her, if this relationship's going anywhere, I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be a minister. So if you, if you continue, that's the way it would be. The mystery is why then, why did she choose me to love me? And people have asked that question ever since. Um, why, did she, why did she love me? Why does she still love me? But I just thank God that every day that she did choose to love me and that she still does love me, and I'm very thankful for that. It's the mystery of love. How do you explain why did she choose me? Why did she love me? Um, why did God choose me to be a minister? And so the Trinity for me, God reveals himself in, in different ways at, at different times. You know, one of the other analogies I've used is you know, I'm a minister, I'm a son, um, I'm, I'm a father. I've never ever stopped being any one of those. And people relate to me in different ways. But, you know, God's there and the Spirit just, He's there. He's, 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 he's God's Spirit within us. And I think that if I could explain God, then He's no longer God. Yeah. I, th I think that's, that's key, Ray. Um, and, and that's, you know, when, when you, when you spoke about, the mystery that's what kind of resonated for me because as you know every illustration falls apart eventually if, yeah. you, if you push it far enough but um but knowing and living in that that or being comfortable with the sense of i don't have to understand is really uh, so crucial you know you spoke about the fact that um that this this makes god's spirit dwell within us and he sees his being reflected uh in the spirit who could understand that that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Paul says, you know, to, to the Greek, it's just stupidity, yeah. you know, that the, the God would die for, for his people. Um, and yeah, and one of the great hymn writers put, you know, it's his mystery all. Mm. Thou God shouldst die for me. Amazing love, how can it be? And, and yeah, it just blows me away all the time. Oh, fantastic. 
Um, Ray, we, we're almost out of time. Were there, were there any comments or any last uh, things that you would like to, to pick up on or say or, or, or speak about in terms of the Trinity? Any questions that I, I might have uh, missed? Or... Uh, every time when Trinity Sunday comes up and I go to preach on Trinity, I'm aware of all those who got wound up on heresy charges down through the, down through the years. But I think, I think Trinity is essential to our Christian faith um, and we don't have to understand. We've just got to accept and believe and believe that, yeah, Jesus within us. I try to say to people that when we become a Christian, we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And, you know, that's a package deal. You've got Father, Son and Holy Spirit when you, when you take all three on together. But for me... Um, it's um, how much we allow God's spirit to work within us and to change us and to empower us instead of trying to do um, things in our strength, but to allow God to do it through, through his power. Uh, it makes, makes much life a lot easier. We don't have to understand. I don't understand how all this technology works. No, neither do I. Or doesn't work as the case may be. How does this little thing here get you know, all around the, around the place? But I use it. I use it. I don't have to understand it. I use it. I don't have to understand God because he wouldn't be God, but I do know he loves me and that I do understand. Yeah. All right, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, place to, to, uh, um, to wind it up for this evening. And uh, you, stole, you stole my quote for, well, that was yours originally, the best of all, uh, God is with us. But, but I liked also your Old Testament reference where, where he, says, uh, he says, you know, they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, I will write my words on their heart, and uh, and I think that just speaks beautifully of how of how the Spirit does continue to work in our lives, and, and something which I always like is the the fact that He's faithful even when we're not, and yeah. it's awesome. And I used to, and I used to say to people, if God could speak to people through Balaam's ass, then He can speak through me as well. <laughs> Lovely. Ray, thank you. Thank you very much for being part of Connecting Conversations Thanks, and for, uh, for uh, doing this interview and for the sermon on, uh, on Sunday. May God bless you. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Friends, that uh, winds up our Connecting Conversations for this evening. It's been lovely to chat to you. Always lovely to have, uh, to have Ray on the uh, uh, preaching and doing the doing the conversation with us tonight. Next week we start a new sermon series looking at caring uh, the care of our souls, and uh, and so tune in for how we do that. And we will have uh, once more connecting conversations each week, unpacking those sermons a little bit. Thank you for watching. It's been great to be with you. God bless.